Let us pray. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your word, that we may be guided by your will, that we may grow as your holy people. In the name of Christ, amen. I wonder how many times you've heard the phrase, oh, you're such a good Samaritan. Have you heard that at some point? Yeah, a few nodding. I've heard it a few times, and it's one of those phrases that's just part of life, isn't it? But I wonder how many truly understand where it comes from. A lot of people know about the Samaritans' phone calls, but do they understand where that it comes from in the Bible? What about your own personal lives? Have you ever had anyone be a good Samaritan to you? Perhaps you found yourself as a good Samaritan to others. I know I've had times when people have been my good Samaritan. It was a long time ago. Well, there's been a, obviously there's been things since, but one that sticks in my mind was while driving home from uni in the late 90s, the tailpipe of my two CV's exhaust fell apart. This happened quite frequently as the metal used in those exhaust pipes was quite thin and so they rusted through quite often. So while I was stopped by the side of the road near the Teddington roundabout, wondering what to do, a man pulled his van over, offered help, offering help. Now, I, I knew my car because my father and I had spent five years restoring it. So, although he did all the work and I was the gopher, I kind of knew every inch of that vehicle, having stripped it down to the um, chassis. So I expected him to undo the strap that was holding the tailpipe to the bottom of the car and just chuck it in the boot of the car because that's, that's what I've done before, to be honest. But no! <laughs> I mean, I would have done that, but he descended on me a bit too quickly and it was a bit of a dangerous place to stop. What he did do was find a Coke can and slipped down the side and around the bottom and wrapped the Coke can between the two parts covering up the breakage and then tied it in place with wire, which I found was quite impressive, really, considering. And I was really quite grateful. I thought it was a little bit OTT, but I was still quite grateful. So I tried to, um, as well as thank him, I offered him a couple of quid for a beer, because, you know, that would pay for a beer, wouldn't it? <laughs> Back then it probably did. And he wouldn't take it. He politely refused went on his way and, set, and I set off for home. I never knew who he was, but I can tell you all three or four points along the A46 where my exhaust of that car fell off. <laughs> to this day. The thing is, that man took a risk in helping me, and some would say I took a risk as a single young female in allowing myself his help. 
we can be very suspicious of strangers and sometimes automatically expect the worst to come from such situations. We hear of so many terrible things in the news where people are being abused, molested or even killed because they are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Such news fuels our fears and we subconsciously find ourselves withdrawing from what we perceive as dangerous situations or even from situations where our comfort may be challenged. In the parable, Jesus challenged the lawyer to rethink his understanding of the heart of God's law and by doing so pushed the boundaries of his comfort zone. For the lawyer, the point of his confrontation with Jesus was that he wanted the way in which the law provided a definition of Israel and so tried to force Jesus to say something heretical. If you want to hear her heresy these days, just speak to the Jehovah Witnesses. Sorry. <laughs> Still on the top of my mind. For the lawyer, his God was the God of Israel. And so only his neighbours were Jewish. This is what he had in mind when he quoted from Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. These words actually come in, uh, from the Shema, the central Jewish prayer. This prayer of loving God, love your neighbour, was thought of as the litmus test for inheriting the age to come. That is, the time would ultimately, when God would ultimately judge and rescue Israel. The Samaritans, however, also claimed to be the true inheritors of the promises of Abraham and Moses. Consequently, both sides regarded themselves as the rightful possessors of the land. This hatred between Jews and Samaritans had gone on for hundreds of years and is still tragically reflected in the tension between Israel and Palestine today. So for Jesus to use a Samaritan in the parable was a great risk because he knew how much the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. However, when he asked who was a neighbour to the fallen man, the lawyer had no choice but to answer the one who had mercy on him. <clears throat> you can imagine the lawyer to be stunned at this point, as not only had he failed to win this public confrontation, but also he had had to give the only logical answer, which revealed his narrow understanding of God's law. As if that was not enough in itself, Jesus then goes on to say, go and do likewise, revealing not only the wide-reaching grace of God, but that his views were not heretical, 
as in fact he showed the true fulfilment of the commandment which the lawyer claimed to regard as vital. The problem with the lawyer was although he knew the law extremely well, he had missed the point of the law's purpose. In other words, he had failed to understand the heart of the matter, that is, God is a God of unlimited mercy and grace for all people. He was more concerned with following the letter of the law through observing the purity laws and isolating himself away from those he considered to be out of God's reach. So he'd become complacent in his own religious bubble, ignoring the needs of the people around him. It's so good that we have this passage from Colossians because it contrasts so well with the passage from Luke. We heard Paul speaking to the church of Colossae, a church that he refers to as, a, as faithful brothers and sisters, meaning from the Greek, people who are part of God's family. Here is a church that, love it, that has love in the spirit for all God's people, whom Paul encourages to keep bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is a community of people who love one another across traditional boundaries, where in Colossians 3 verse 11, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is all and is in all. The love spoken about in each of the scripture passages is not one of fluffy, lovey-dovey sentiment, but one of purposeful action in the care and welfare of others. As God's agents in the world, we are called to bring God's grace-filled healing and wholeness to everyone that we meet. Sometimes we too find ourselves in need of help and support. It is in those moments we learn to drop our pride, lower our defences and allow others to minister to us. Just as the left for dead Jew did with the Samaritan. Whether we are givers or receivers of God's merciful grace, we are challenged time and again to take risks, to trust in God and experience the abundant life God has in store for us. Perhaps then we can even more be known as a church in our communities for having love in the spirit for all God's people. Amen.